Exodus chapter 33 this evening. I'd like to begin reading in verse number 7. The Bible says, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up. Stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Isn't that incredible? And then in the next verse, the Bible says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And in the Lord spake unto Moses... Face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again unto the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And on this Sunday night, I'd like to speak to you on this topic, communication from God. Folks, in my brief lifetime, I am amazed at how communication, procedures, and processes and equipment have improved. Probably the youngest I can remember, I still remember using a rotary dial phone. Do you remember those days? Several years ago, I was in a building that had a rotary dial phone. My two older boys were in there. They said, Dad, what is that? And boy, did I feel old. I told them, I said, well, that's a part. Now, by the way, for those of you here tonight uh, that were older than that, listen, it did make me feel grateful. At least it wasn't a party line phone where somebody dialed and the whole community could hear your conversation. But I told them, I said, if you stick your finger in that dial and you run it all the way to the metal clasp and you do that with the right seven numbers, you can call somebody. They said, we want to call mom. I said, go right ahead. I still remember as a kid when we got a touch tone phone. I thought that was really something. Hold the phone in my hand and push those buttons. Each of them made a distinct noise. And only the Lord knows how many uh, wrong numbers I called because I didn't realize that I was calling people as I was punching those buttons listening to that beautiful music. I'd be punching them and I'd hear, hello, hello. And I'm like, what are they on there for? I'm just pushing these buttons. But you know, then from there we got cell phones. Now, I realize there are people of all ages here tonight. There's some of you that even though you are seasoned in life, you say, I'm not technologically literate per se, but I guarantee you most of you have a cell phone. I remember the first cell phone I had. It was like a brick with an antenna that came out of it. And then after that, they were condensed to cell phone or flip phones where they were very compact and you just flip them open. And uh, now we have these things called smartphones that sometimes make us feel just the opposite. There are some of you tonight, you text. You said, I never will text. And now you find yourself texting. There are some of you, you email and it comes in over your phone. I have a dorm mate. We went to school together. We graduated together. He's a missionary in Kenya, East Africa. And every Sunday, like clockwork, I got his email today that he sent thousands of miles 
And I received it in a matter of seconds. I mean, in our day and time, listen, if we don't know how to communicate, it's not for a lack of tools and for a lack of technology. But tonight I want to draw your attention to a very sad fact. The sad fact is this. We have excelled in our communication with one another. But I'm afraid we have gone backwards in our communication with God. I'm not just preaching to my millennial friends tonight. I'm preaching to all of us. Sometimes we know a lot more about other people's business through social media than we do God's business through the Bible. And folks, I am convinced that if revival is going to take place on places like the campus of Ambassador Baptist College and places like Gospel Baptist Church, you know what I believe tonight? I believe that once again... That that communication that we get from God has to be of the greatest thing to our heart and regain its special status. I don't care whether you're in the belt buckle of the Bible belt or you're here in Florida. I'm afraid there's a disease that has gripped our hearts and that which the Bible has become so commonplace we can recite its stories with ease But yet it's been a while since its words have pierced our hearts. And I want to take you back thousands of years ago to when God spoke to Moses. And let me tell you, when God spoke to Moses, it was a big deal. It was such a big deal that the entire nation of Israel shut down to watch Moses go into the tabernacle because they realized that Moses was going to hear from God. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I want to fast forward thousands of years later and say that when God talks to us, it still ought to be a big deal. And I wonder how many of us tonight would be willing to be honest with God and admit that this book has lost its luster in our eyes. I wonder how many of us tonight would be willing to look on the pages of this book and be willing to admit, if it's the case, that we have taken this book for granted, that it has lost its specialness and its effect in our lives, and we need the help of God. And so, with that in mind, I want us to see this simple story tonight of God communicating with Moses. And understanding that God wants to communicate with you. And how you can benefit from it tonight. Now in verse number 7, we find that Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. There's some of you tonight, you say, where's the tabernacle? I come on the campus of Gospel Baptist Church, I look around, I don't see this thing called the tabernacle. Well, it was something that was mighty peculiar to the nation of Israel. Uh, There were no churches in the Old Testament, and if you ever hear a preacher, be he radio preacher, podcast, or whatever, and he tells you that the church is in the Old Testament, there's a button on your radio or your computer that's for preaching like that. It's called off or delete. Listen, make make no bones about it. There was no, there's no church in in the Old Testament, but this tabernacle was a very special place. 
This tabernacle basically was known as the dwelling place of deity, the dwelling place of God. When that tabernacle was set up, people just not, did not just go into the courtyard and play hopscotch and tear down the curtains. Listen, that was holy ground. That tabernacle was a very sacred place. You didn't play around it. You did not go lightly into it. Why? Because that is where God met with the man of God and gave very important instructions. Now you say, well, preacher, if there's no more tabernacle, what's the parallel tonight? Well, as best as I can tell. Remember this fact that the Old Testament is the dwelling place of deity. As best as I can tell, the New Testament parallel tonight, in some regard at least, is this fact that the Bible says that the body of every believer is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now when I compare the old and the new, here's the thing that amazes me. In the old... If somebody wanted to go and to hear from God and be in the presence of deity, they had to go to the tabernacle. But for every New Testament believer, listen to me, the Spirit of God indwells you. I promise you this, if we don't hear from God, it's not His fault. Your body tonight is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 8, and it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone to the tabernacle. This entire nation is given to reverence. They stop everything they're doing. The boys stop playing kickball. The ladies stop sweeping the floor. The men stop working in the fields. Why? Because they see the man of God is going to the tabernacle. They realize that it was of great importance. Now, folks, I'd like to ask you an honest question tonight. How can we expect a lost and dying world to pay any kind of importance and intention to the gospel and the word of God if we, as the children of God, are not willing to do the same? Our Bibles sit on our desks. Our Bibles sits on our nightstands. Our Bibles are only touched on Sundays and Wednesdays. But every time the man of God went to the tabernacle, everybody straightened up because they said, this is a serious thing. Now, I'm not so high strung tonight that I believe when you come to church, you ought to sit here in silence and not say anything 30 minutes before the service. I'm not here tonight to tell you that when the service is done, nobody should speak at all and, you know, just, be, just take almost like a monastery vow that we just not say anything and have that kind of, you know, supposed reverence. But I will tell you this, whenever we open our Bibles or whenever we come to the house of God, there's nothing wrong with us having a sense of awe and a sense of anticipation, understanding that God wants to talk to us. I don't know why you came to church tonight. Some of you, maybe you came to church because your friend came to church. Others of you would say, well, I came to church because my mama and my daddy made me come to church. Some of you said, I've gone to church since I was nine months in the womb. And I mean ever since, my parents, that's the only reason I come to church. Well, listen, you ought to change your mind because I promise you tonight God wants to speak to you. But then we continue to verse number 9, and this is where it gets interesting and we'll dwell a little bit. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. Now this is a strange, supernatural phenomenon. 
This is not something predicted by the Israeli meteorologist. You have weather casters down here, meteorologists. If they're like the ones back home, you take what they say and do the opposite, and you're probably right. It's just so up and down. I can't help but be humored sometimes. I think it's just the Lord's way of reminding us that He's the one that knows everything, not the meteorologist. But imagine with me, the man of God goes into the tabernacle and all of a sudden you see a cloudy pillar descend over that tabernacle. Now for Israel, this is something because they realize this tabernacle is the dwelling place of God and now the, God, the man of God and God Himself are going to commune. You know how Israel was led. They were led by a cloudy pillar during the day, a pillar of fire by night. When they saw that, that symbolized the presence of God. It symbolized God's direction. Some people today, they wish and say, Oh, I just wish God led me today like He led them back then. I mean, ladies, could you imagine? You get out of bed, there's a cloudy pillar over your car. You get into your car, the cloudy pillar takes you to the mall. Then the cloudy pillar takes you to the shops where there's clearance sales. And then the cloudy pillar takes you to your favorite restaurant. And then the cloudy pillar takes you... By another store, and then your cloudy, cloudy pillar takes you home. Your husband, he's driving home from work, and it's turning dark. All of a sudden, that cloudy pillar turns into a pillar of fire. Some people say, boy, I just wish following the Lord was that easy today. Let me tell you, there's some biblical principles when it comes to following God. You rest assured, God is leading people today just like He led them then. It may not be with a cloudy pillar, but I will tell you this. The Bible says that if you'll acknowledge Him in all of your ways, He will direct your paths. The Bible says, hey, if you're like, Lord, I know you've got a will for this, and I'm not sure, I just need you to show me. God said, I'll make you a promise, I'll direct your paths. Our problem is we like to live by sight rather than by faith. But Paul reminded us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for we walk... Uh, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So if you're here tonight and you're longing for a cloudy pillar, you're longing for it to be written out in the heavens, I just say, would you stop that tonight and listen, you trust the everlasting God and He promised He'll give you direction. But then the last part of this verse is amazing to me. And the Lord talked Moses. Wow. That sends chills up my spine. Moses enters into the tabernacle and he hears the voice of God. But before we go any further, I want to ask you a question, and it's not a trick question, as we preachers sometimes are prone to ask you. The Lord talked with Moses, but here's my question. Has the Lord talked to you? You ever heard a voice and you didn't know where it was coming from? When I was in college, when I was about in the same position as these college students, we were traveling, we were in a church. Uh, and after the service, we were staying in a home. Dwight Smith, dear friend of mine, Dwight and I were staying together. And on that rare occasion, each of us had our own bedrooms. And uh, which was fine. We were accustomed. We had to sleep together. That was no problem. But we each had our own bedrooms. And that night, as we were going to bed, I looked at Dwight. And I said, well, I said, I think I'm going to go to bed. And he looked at me. And he said, well, he said, I think I'm going to take a shower. 
and then I'll go to bed. I said, all right, we'll see you in the morning. Well, anyway, he headed into the shower, and all of a sudden, I got the bright idea. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and hide in his closet. And so sure enough, he went into the bathroom. He's in there singing away and showering. I turn my bedroom light off. I close the door. I go into his bedroom, and I'm sitting in a closet that's been filled with mothballs and hailing it, just trying to wait the time away so that he would come in. And it was one of those closets where the slats went down so I could see out, but nobody could see in. And boy, I'll never forget, he came in that night, he jumped in that huge bed, and he pulled out his little Bible. He was probably reading a proverb or a couple of psalms, and when he was done, he closed it, he set it on the nightstand, he turned the light off, and he rolled, right, he rolled his little body right in the middle of that huge bed. And I waited for about 30 seconds. And after that, I didn't really say anything, all I did was this. And boy, when I did that, that boy flailed and he was knocking everything over to get to safety. You know, when we hear something like that, we say, boy, that's spooky. You say, that scares me to death. And I would say to you tonight, listen, never one time, it's not like I've walked in my bedroom and I've heard the audible voice of God where God just audibly called me by name. Listen, I'm not here to tell you that tonight, but I can tell you this, that just as God talked to Moses with the same certainty, I can avow to you tonight that God has talked to me through this book. We sometimes, we're so awed that Moses heard the voice of God and we neglect His voice today. Why? Because it's lost its specialness. It's become so commonplace. We wonder why the special interest groups are making such progress. Can I tell you, it may not be so much political apathy as much as it is spiritual apathy. When's the last time the Lord has talked to you? Just recently I've been reading through the book of Amos. You know, I'm convinced of this. When we get to heaven, if we went to Amos and said, Amos... Boy, I enjoyed reading you and those minor prophets. We're going to learn those minor prophets weren't as minor as we thought they were. But learning something new. Sometimes walking away from the book. I just reading through the book of Mark. You know what God impressed upon my heart? That John the Baptist was mistaken for Jesus. Now I've had other people come to me and say, Boy, you remind me of so and so. But for somebody to think that maybe John the Baptist was Jesus, that's of the highest compliment. Here's the problem. We've become so content with not hearing from God on a personal basis and we wonder why there's no revival. Who's the greatest person that's ever talked to you before? When I was a kid growing up, there was a cowboy who ran a cartoon show. His name was Fred Kirby. Uh, Fred Kirby was the epitome of the good guy. He wore a red shirt with white tassels, white pants, white cowboy boots, and a big belt buckle. And every Saturday morning, this is when you could watch cartoons, uh, Fred Kirby would run this little show, and I idolized Fred Kirby. My parents knew that. When I was four years old, my mom and dad told me, they said, Alton, we're going to take you to Tweetsie Railroad. Tweetsie Railroad is an amusement park in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. I didn't care about the train. I didn't care about the Indians that robbed the train. 
All I cared about was Fred Kirby would meet boys and girls there and I was going to see Fred Kirby. That's all I could think about. I was hyped up for days. Telling all my friends at school, I'm going to see Fred Kirby. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to see Fred Kirby. I remember my mom and dad and my mama, we all loaded up in that car. We made the winding road up to Blowing Rock, North Carolina. And we got there. And after we paid the fare, I busted through the front gates. And lo and behold, in all of his glory, there was Fred Kirby. Standing right beside of two horses, there was a little fake horse and a big fake horse. And man, I ran up to him as fast as I could. I've got pictures to prove it at home. And boy, I'll never forget, I shoved my hand into Fred Kirby's hand and he talked to me and I have no clue what he said because I was just so enamored with Fred Kirby. You know, after that was over with, I went home and you can, get, you can mark it down what happened the next week at school. Oh, I didn't wait till I got in the classroom. It was on the school bus. Bus driver said, hey, hey, I saw Fred Kirby. She probably looked at me like, huh? Sit down, neighbor sits beside of me. I said, hey, we went to Tweetsie Railroad. I saw Fred Kirby talk to me. Me, you want to touch my hand? That's the way I was. I just, it was the greatest thing. There's some of you here tonight, you've met a famous politician or you've met an athlete. And you're like, hey, that person talked to me. I went to a baseball game a couple summers ago and one of the stars of the team uh, signed a baseball for my son. Man, that was a talk of the town. Post that on Instagram for those of you in social media. Hey, let the Facebook world know. You know, when it says, what are you doing today? Say, hey, I talked to so-and-so today or so-and-so talked to me. Now, for those of you on social media, let me remind you of something. When that Facebook status bar says, how are you doing? You don't always have to answer that. Matter of fact, you know, sometimes just too much information. But there's some of you tonight, listen, if you went to a local restaurant and you met a famous star, you know what you'd do? You'd tell every last person you knew about it. Why? Because you'd say, that person talked to me. You'd say, that was a special thing. I'm going to tell you, I don't care who wins the NBA Finals. I don't care who wins the hockey championship. There's not a person greater than the God that created this universe. But you know what I find in myself? Sometimes I become more enamored from hearing from human personality than I do deity. There's a time in which we've got to be honest before God and say, God, I have lost the specialness of this. And the Lord talked with Moses. When's the last time you came away from this book and you said, man, that was good. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Boy, there's times I come away from it, and I'm like, Lord, I needed this more than my food. I needed this more than medicine. But I'm afraid for some of us, that sensation, that reality is becoming less and less frequent, and may God help us tonight. Notice with me what happens in verse number 10. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up, now listen to this, and worshipped every man in his tent door. 
I believe one of the most misunderstood words in church culture today is the word worship. Now it's obvious, I sing with these young people, I love music. There are some churches, they may have a music man that they call a worship pastor. But I'm afraid that's really a misnomer because worship is not just music. I'm afraid in modern day church culture, that's what they've made it out to be. It's like, oh, oh, giving's not worship. Oh, preaching and responding to the word of God, that's not worship. And I'm afraid they have cheapened the core reality of what worship is. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you go outside the Christian entertainment realm, you know what you're going to find when you go to the Bible? That worship is a submission to God. The word literally means to bow in the Old Testament. It has the idea of laying down before God. See, worship is not necessarily having perfect pitch, but it is about having a submitted heart to do whatever God wants. You see, you can come to the house of God for quote-unquote worship, but if your heart's not submitted, you're not worshiping. But all of Israel laying down before God, worshiping Him. But verse 11 is where we end. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. I love this picture. Face to face. Have, have, have any of you ever seen God before face to face? Like with your own two eyes. I was teaching an academy Bible class. Working my way through Bible college. And they gave me a hard task. I had to teach kindergartners through a sixth grade Bible. You understand, I've got kids who are on the brink of throwing away their army toys and others who just dream of bicycles and puppy dogs. It's hard to keep their attention. And I stood before those kids that day and I made the mistake of asking children, these children a question. And listen, if you ask children a question, you never know what they're going to say. Here I asked the question, I said, how many of you in this room have ever seen God? And there was one. A little boy named Ryan. Parents from West Virginia. Anybody from West Virginia in here? I want you to know West Virginia is a lovely state. You get, you get bludgeoned a lot, lot more than you ought to. I love West Virginia. Little old Ryan raised his hand. Blue, big blue eyes. Blonde flat top. I said, Ryan. Have you seen God? He looked at me with great earnestness. I said, Ryan, where have you seen God? He looked at me and I'm telling you, just as pure as a driven snow. He said, I seen him on television. Here I was in a dilemma. I don't want to shatter this boy's hopes, but what he saw was not God. I looked at him and I said, Ryan, I said, I don't know what you saw on television that you thought was God, but uh, I just want to say that whatever it was, that really wasn't God. It was somebody pretending like they were God. So you didn't, the more I'm talking, the more I'm confusing him. 
the, it really wasn't God. I said, Ryan, do you understand that? Totally blank look. Now I'm glad to say he's a youth pastor. He's all straightened out now. But we know, and listen, nobody in this room's ever seen God. Now if that's the case, how does the Bible say that Moses saw him face to face? I'm going to tell you how. You know, that figurative speech is not talking about a physical proximity, but it is talking about an intimacy of God being in your personal zone. You know, all of us in this room, we have a personal zone. Did you know that? I do. After service, I can be shaking hands, and a man will come up to me, and he'll shake my hand, and he'll lean in. And I just sort of lean out. Now, my brother may be hard of hearing, his sight may not be that good, but I just get a bit uncomfortable. I can be talking after a service and a lady's talking to me and she just stands about three inches closer than it's comfortable for me. And so I just politely step back. She steps in and then both of my heels click against the wall and I am trapped. You know, there's a certain spot in front of my face, there's only a few people that I want in that area. As a matter of fact, in this group we have, there's only one, and that's Karis, that can get in that personal zone. These boys tried after the service. You'll see them bruised up tomorrow. You know that personal zone that I'm talking about? It is an intimate zone that is reserved for specific people. Listen to me. God wants that kind of intimacy with each of us. Face to face. But ladies and gentlemen, too often that's the exception and not the norm. When's the last time you feel like God has intimately dealt in your heart? If it's been a long time, you've missed out on communication from God. As we close tonight, can I just say to some of my younger friends tonight, what a shame it would be for us to delight in the texts from our special loved ones and be bored with the Bible. What a shame it would be for us to know everybody else's business on Facebook and know very little about our Father's business. I believe one of the sins of our generation is that we've excelled in our communication with one another. And in an increasing fashion, we're neglecting our communication with God. Oh, that God would take us back thousands of years and that we would regain the wonder that Moses had when the Lord talked with him. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website. Or go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Or call the office at 239-947-12. 85. Thank you. God bless.